I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. What if the whole world around you, everything you see, isn't quite finished yet? What if you are actually living in the first draft of life? There aren't a lot of authors who could take on a premise like that and make it make sense, but Sheila Hetty does it in her latest award-winning book. She'll tell you all about it. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. I found after my father died, you know, there is so much worse and there is so much better just in the sense of like, it's like you're born, you're a baby again, like everything just looks so new. That's Sheila Hetty speaking from her own experience there. I'm Talia Schlanger sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Sheila was in the middle of writing her 10th book called Pure Color when she lost her father, as she mentioned. Of course, her life changed. Her book changed, too. Pure Color is about a woman named Mira who loses her father and then goes into this kind of hibernation with his spirit after he dies. And it takes on a really big question. What if the life we think we're living here is not the final chapter, but just a first draft? Sheila was already a world-renowned and well-loved writer, but Pure Color won her a big award on home turf in Canada in November of last year, the Governor General's Award for English Language Fiction. Here's Tom Power's conversation with Sheila Hetty. Talk to me where the germ of the idea came from. Various different places. I, I guess I was thinking about why, you know, there's something, we all know that it's so rare and precious and beautiful to be alive, that it's this gift, you know, that consciousness and the ability to sort of see and experience is sort of miraculous. And yet you, you're just so full of criticisms and critiques and complaints. And, you know, so we go through our days with those attitudes and it's very hard to snap out of that and sort of to be in the wonder and the awe of it all. And I was trying to think, what could the existential reason for that be? And I sort of started thinking about the idea of like, what if our purpose is to be critics? What if the critiques that we have of the world aren't um, sort of a bug, but, you know, of, of being a human, but like the very reason that we exist? And if that is the case, what could that be? And I think I came up with the idea that this is the first draft of God's creation, and we're here to critique it so that God hears the critiques and makes the second draft better. So that was that was sort of the train of thought over 
a number of years. You were kind of wondering, I mean, life is so gorgeous. And, and, and if you are able to access that, which is, it's great to be able to do sometimes, you can look at trees and look at buildings and look at sky and just be overwhelmed or a breeze on your face and just be overwhelmed by the beauty of it. But we have to remind ourselves to do that or pay for apps to force us to do that. Because most of the time we go through complaining about the world and, and the idea then that that's not a that's not a bug. That's a feature. Yeah. And it's it's important, our critiques. You know, I'm always, I have a very nice life. So I, I kind of feel like I should be able to access that all the time, you know, and, and even I can't. And so why? And I think the, the other idea about the first draft was just I'd read the C.S. Lewis book. I remember I was on a train to Montreal. Um, and I can't remember which book it was, Surprised by Joy or something like that. And he, and I was looking out the window, and it was so beautiful. And he said, if there's one thing we can know for sure about God, it's that he's a great artist. And I think that was where the germ of the idea of God as an artist came in. And, you know, the, I, I just kind of like also the idea of thinking about um, what do I know? Well, I know what it is to make a book. And what is a feature of making art? Well, you go through various different drafts with it. And if God is also an artist, you know, um, well, this would probably be the first draft given all the things there are that don't, you know, that are not good in very deep and also superficial ways. How are your own first drafts? Are they also like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I I like the first draft. And that's the thing about the first draft of creation. Like, it is flawed and it is there is a tremendous amount of suffering in it, and there is also this kind of messy vitality. And I sort of suggest in the book that the people in the second draft aren't going to, you know, they're going to have everything is going to be perfect, but there is going to be something missing that they won't be able to define, you know, and that that is what characterizes this draft is the suffering. And as 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 much as suffering causes us to suffer, there is something about being all in it together that is um, beautiful. And I guess for me with my first drafts, um, there is a kind of ugliness or messiness that I like because it still has a kind of vitality. You know, the or I and I compare it to like first relationships, you know, like the first love you had, like that was just like messy and full of pain and suffering, but there was just something about it that you know, better matches later in life. Um, they lack some of that chaos and confusion and first, can, firstness. You can find yourself nostalgic for that messiness of the early kind of relationships and, and early parts of life. Yeah, I mean, even if you really, the best thing is that it ended. Yeah. I mean, I, that kind of goes to the part of the book I was going to get you to read, if you don't mind. Sure. Do you, do you mind? Like page 151? Yeah. Are you sad to be living in the first draft, shoddily made, rushed, exuberant, malformed? No, you are proud to be strong enough to be living here now, one of God's expendable soldiers in the first draft of the world. There is some pride in having been created to make a better world come. There is some pride in being the ones who were made to be thrown out. That's, that's kind of what you were talking about. Yeah. Mira's father dies in the book, and, and your own father passed around the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2018. Did, the, did that um, experience of grief of your own loss influence the Mira's loss in the book? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I would have written all that stuff if that's not what I was going through also. Um, the writing that I did after my father died was not intended for the book. I'm always writing, and I'm always writing about... Um, I sort of have to write in order to 
just not feel bad. Um, oh, it's like a therapeutic thing for you? I don't know if it's therapeutic. It's just I just feel kind of worthless or useless if yeah. I'm not doing this thing for some reason. And so I was – and especially when my father died, I just felt like I wanted to record some things that I thought I was going to forget because – um, such intense emotional experiences. They're so bodily, you kind of just experience them and it's very easy for your memory not to be able to hold on to them. So I just wanted to write some stuff down. And then I think a year or two, a year or two later, I realized, oh, there's actually a way in which this connects to so many of the themes of the book, you know, like the, the, the death of the first draft, the end of existence, um, the beginning of a new existence, the sense um, that after somebody dies, the world is made new, you yeah. know, so all these things kind of um, mirrored each other. I, I should be clear, like, before we turned the microphones on, I, I was talking to Sheila a little bit about my own experience of losing my dad when I was, I was 24. And um, you, you're the first author I've ever read accurately depict that experience, that life is completely different afterwards. And people, when they hear me say that, mean think I mean it's worse Life is immediately worse after that, and it probably is for a little while, but it's neither bad nor good. It just something has changed. Um, what's the word? Irrevocably. Irrevocably yeah. A- after that. Yeah, it's and I, I think that's interesting. What you said it's it's neither worse nor better. I found after my father died, you know, there is so much worse and there is so much better just in the sense of like, it's like you're born, you're a baby again. Like everything just looks so new. The world looks completely fresh. And that's not something that you expect for me in my early 40s to have, <laughs> yeah. you know, to have such fresh eyes. Yeah. I, I did um, read the book learning, uh, like kind of learning a lot about my own feelings about um, spirituality and looking through different kind of paths to the top of the mountain, as they say. And I guess while I was reading the book, I began to wonder about your own. Is there any sort of spiritual underpinning in your in your life? There is, though I wouldn't know what to call it. But there is, especially, um, you know, since my dad died, a feeling of uh, just reality is more than we can touch and know and see. And Things just seem life just seems so much stranger to me than I thought it was, um, in a way that's kind of beautiful. And when you start reading about, you know, well, I'm Jewish, but when you start reading about Christianity or Judaism or like various religions, you just see how much has been left out of the earliest texts. You know that ha- you know when you read all the books that have been left out of the Bible, like there's just so much codification. Um, and I don't think that it's silly or foolish to try to think about spiritual matters for yourself, you know, because, um, well, anyways, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I think that I'm doing in this book. And, you know, the the idea of having sort of some kind of um, faith in that there, (laughs) this idea of like the second draft, to me, it it gives me a feeling of um, some kind of calm, but also that it's okay to be here now. Like there's a way in which with a lot of, with Christianity anyways, the idea that, you know, you're here, but it would be a better place to, you know, (laughs) be in heaven. Like, in fact, the idea of being in a kind of worse place, being a positive thing. um, I think I like that. You more than any other novelist I know, have people go to your novels for help with their own lives. But I know personally people who have tried to make the decision about whether or not to be a parent who have read motherhood i know that i got like tangible help 
about dealing with grief from reading Pure Color. And I would like, I will recommend people read it in the same way they might read like a self-help book or something like that. And I read self-help books, but they might read a self-help book. Are you are you comfortable with that, the idea of people going to your, your fiction for help? Yeah, I think um, I feel a lot of love for humanity. And so, um, yeah, I think I that makes sense if that's how the books work for people. Um, do they help you? Does, does writing them help you? I mean, motherhood certainly did in, a, in very tangible ways. Um, I felt at the end of that book, like I didn't have the same questions that I did starting it. Same with How Should a Person Be? This book felt like more mysterious. I don't feel like I was writing it to help myself or to solve anything or to work anything through. It just kind of came to me more more like little gifts or something. Yeah. That's Sheila Hetty. She's the author of 10 books, including children's books, drama, nonfiction, and fiction, and motherhood that you heard her mention there happens to be one of my favorite ever books. Uh, Sheila's latest book, Pure Color, is out now in paperback. It won the 2022 Governor General's Award for English Language Fiction, and you heard her conversation with Tom Power. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Have a listen to this. That's Toronto-based singer, songwriter, and producer Nisa. She makes music about some pretty magical stuff. The power of nature, witchcraft, and things that we aren't always given permission to do. Right now, you're listening to her new song called Breakup Party. And here's Nisa telling Tom Power all about it. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And how are you? I'm not too bad. How's everything going? This is your first radio interview. It is my first radio interview, yes. How, how do you feel? How are the headphones feeling? Microphone feel? Everything headphones good? feel comfortable. I've got a lot of uh, experience wearing headphones um, and with microphones, thankfully. Uh, well, you know what? You're off to the races. <laughs> how have the past few weeks been going? I've been hearing you've been doing a lot of performing. The past few weeks have been uh, incredible. I did a residency at the Dakota for Gemini season. Um, so I played a total of five shows. How'd they uh, go? They went amazing. Yeah. Um, we started off like, you know, with a handful of people. And then by the end, we had a packed room full of people dancing and kind of going wild, which was awesome. Did you, do you do a lot of performing? Or are you more of an uh, inside inside cat when it comes to your music? You know, I start off as an inside cat, and then I'm very much an outdoor cat. <laughs> uh, yeah, stalking, stalking the streets. Um, <laughs> I love performing, and I really, really missed it over the last few years, so I'm very happy to be back up on stage. Were you making a lot of music by yourself during the pandemic and those during those, like, inside pandemic days? Yes, uh, absolutely. I was really fortunate that a friend of mine in New York, uh, her name's Leah Hennessy, uh, started a songwriting group at the very beginning of lockdown, and we met up once a week, um, and we all shared songs. Uh, so I got really good at writing songs in a half hour because I'm a huge procrastinator. Um, which, you, yeah. you would have you would you would have these weekly songwriting sessions yes. over Zoom or in person or over Zoom, yeah, because they all the the whole rest of the group is in New York. So you'd be like, okay, I have to have a song ready for this. Yes. I better, oh, I didn't, I, I got to get this thing done in a half hour. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, honestly, it was great. And I've, I've learned that I actually kind of 
you know, classic ADHD. I write better uh, under the intense time pressure. Yeah. If you, yeah. If, if you give you a week, you'll take a week. Exactly. And I'll still write the song in the last half hour anyway. <laughs> so so, so the, uh, you, you write songs, as I mentioned, about sort of wildness and sort of uh, abandon and rule breaking. And uh, Lee's, our producer who, who booked this interview, told me, you, I was hoping you might be able to tell me the story mm. about you learned some kind of story or fact about pigs. Yes. And like, I don't say domesticated, but like penned in pigs versus wild. Can you, can you tell me about this? This was meaningful for your work. Yes. Uh, this is something I learned uh, that all pigs, as we know them, beautiful, sweet, soft pigs, yeah, pink love, pigs. <laughs> lo- love your, your classic pink. Your classic pig. Curly tailed pig. Curly cued. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah so uh, actually, all those pigs are, in fact, domesticated. And if one of them happens to escape into the wild, the farmer or person who possesses that pig has a very limited period of time to get the pig back into their enclosure because a pig in the wild after about a week or so will start to grow tusks and bristles and that pig will become a wild boar and will never be able to be domesticated ever again. Why was that meaningful to you? I think that um, the metaphor of a penned-in creature kept in this semi-infantilized state resonated with me because I, I think a lot of us are kind of in that position where we've been forced by the dominant culture and society and the patriarchy to give up our own wildness and our own uh, connection with the natural world. There's a... There's, um... We we get through again society and, and media and, uh, and government and, and and the patriarchy. There is a wild version of us. There is a there is a tusked bristled version of us out there. Yes. And you're saying that um, you know we are we are sort of kept in the pens. And you start, when you had that realization about the pigs, you were like, oh, that that kind of feels like there, there was a there was a pen I was in, and now I'm I'm outside of it. Exactly. And. Uh, I think that has especially resonated with me coming out of the like endless lockdowns and the kind of like lost feeling that a lot of us were grappling with during the last few years over the course of the pandemic. I think there really is this sort of like hitting the ground running desire to live in alignment with our own wild natures and to find our own means of being free. Are you feeling that personally? I am feeling that personally. And a lot of my, you know, I have a really incredible group of friends who are all very creative. And uh, it's really beautiful to see everyone who's kind of been struggling and but also putting in the the creative work in. Um, There is this sort of feeling of everyone kind of getting locked into the groove that they're supposed to be locked into. Uh, So it's really beautiful to see. And yeah, they're all growing t- uh, tusks and <laughs> bristles right now. <laughs> so is that, talk to me about breakup parties. I think I'm starting to get an idea of it, but talk to me about the song, where it came from, what, what it's about. Yeah, so uh, I feel it's totally aligned with uh, everything I'm talking about with the pigs and the boars and this sense of being trapped in a small, a life that's become too small for you. And I wrote the song... During the summer, a couple of years ago, when a lot of friends of mine were going through breakups, 
it was uh, kind of what I call the first wave of post-lockdown breakups or <laughs> during lockdown breakups. Yeah, I remember that too. I, yeah. had, I had a bunch of friends. I mean, people who had been together for like yeah. 20 years or like 10 years, five years, like long time, long-term relationships. They just started dropping like flies when they were totally. you know, forced to spend all that time together. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think everyone's enclosures became a little too small. And I'm really of the mindset that every breakup is for the best. Yeah even if it doesn't feel that way to yeah. one or more parties at the outset. But I think, you know, they they force you into growth and into, you know, the wide open expanse of a, a bigger future that you might you might have denied yourself if you'd stayed penned in. So this so this song is is sort of about that about your friends about about you about you you, you know the 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 things you observed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's about that. It's about you know embracing freedom to live a bigger life. And for me, part of that bigger life involves witchcraft and paganism and kind of rejecting the the institutions and the systems that. We've been forced to uh, just merely survive in and not thrive in over the past however many hundreds of years. We're, we're going to listen to the song in a second. I'm going to get you to introduce it. But uh, I was also told that you compare the song to – is it Coke, Coconut by Harry Nilsson? I did, yeah. Uh, that's the – you put the lime in the coconut. Yeah. And all up and the lime in the, that one. Yes, that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean I love that song so much. It's like – this crazy, hypnotic, bizarre party song. And it's really, it's just one chord and it's so relentless and it just, it just takes you to this like uninhibited, strange place. So that was definitely a touchstone for me in writing Breakup Party to have it be this kind of relentless. Hypnotic. Hypnotic, like, come on, like, come on over, cross over, come to the the wild side, be a witch with me. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear it. How do you feel about uh, saying who you are and introducing the song? I feel great about it. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> my name is Nisa, and this is my song, Breakup Party. Everybody's breaking up.
That's Nisa with her new song, Breakup Party. Before that, you heard her conversation with Tom Power. Look for her new album out in the new year. That's it for this episode of Q, but you can find a whole other episode of Q in your feed right now with Bruce Springsteen. Get this, Bruce Springsteen has a whole bunch of songs and in fact, entire records that you have never heard because he is so devoted to making sure everything he puts out has that stamp of Springsteen excellence that he'll throw out his stuff before you hear it if he thinks it's not ready for your ears. Okay, you can hear him explain that whole thing to Tom Power and talk about his latest record of soul covers in your feed right now. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. I'll see you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.